Hey, welcome back to the Infus Podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. And we're back after a week off. Uh, we skipped last week uh, just because life got in the way. <laughs> As it sometimes does. It, it does. And, and honestly, like, uh, I had a headache on Friday. And uh, Daryl was like, come on, let's go podcast. I'm like, no, I have a headache. And, you know, <laughs> I know he needed it, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite how it happened but no actually it was i have a headache um i don't, I don't let's record tomorrow and then i went out <laughs> yeah and then we had wing night and so you know i was cooking all day there was no there was no time to podcast last week uh but it's fine because this week we are going to talk about shut in the uh the latest release from the daily wire uh, we're talking Soups and Lolo season two, episode five, and it's we're back. it's back, and we're talking Horizon Forbidden West. Daryl's gonna go over the gameplay for the first uh, little bit of the game here, but anyway, Daryl, how you doing? It's Friday. It's it's cold, but you know, hey, it's Friday. Ain't got shit to do except this podcast. So, I mean, some might argue that you. No, I'm kidding, uh, <laughs> dude. I'm I, I'm sitting here. I'm looking at all of these boxes, right? And I just ordered more stuff from a new place, and it's just like, oh, it's driving me insane. So, um, but anyway, yeah, the Nerd Den Studio oh. is moving, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, in a couple weeks. Not next week, but probably the week after. We'll have our, our first episode from Nerd Den Studios 2.0. So uh, it should as, be uh, fun. Yeah, as someone says, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Daryl might actually come <laughs> up for that one. So we might we might have to do that and then hit a brewery right after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's. It's right there. So yeah, and just take a walk. Right. Let's, let's take let's a walk. Just, real let's quick. walk literally across the street. <laughs> um, actually, just through the parking lot. But, all right. So horizon. Okay. So Horizon Forbidden West is the sequel action role play game from Guerrilla Games, uh, published by Sony uh, for the PlayStation Four and Five, and it's a sequel to the 2017 Horizon Zero Dawn, a single player open world post a lot post-apocalyptic version of the western united states i just started playing horizon zero dawn i love it i think it's awesome um i have not played nearly enough that will change starting next week um but d you picked up um forbidden west so why 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 do people want to go buy this game which came out on february 18th <clears throat> All right, so just to give you a little bit more of the first Horizon, non-spoilers for you, Brian. Uh, I, I saw the first footage of Horizon in 2015 from the E3, and it's like, dude, they're freaking, you're fighting robotic dinosaurs. That's what, you know, we thought they were. I'm in. I, you know, the, what else do you need? But it's, you know, takes place probably plus or minus a thousand, uh, a thousand years into the future, plus or minus, and... Uh, you know, human lives are scattered into these primitive tribes of varying levels of development. And what the first game is, is Aloy, who is our main character, 
she's an outcast from her tribe, one of the four main tribes. Her tribe is the Nora tribe. And she wants to become a brave, which is like, you know, she has to go through this thing called the proving to become a brave. That's like the rite of passage for, you know, these tribes. But her being an outcast sheds a little bit of, you know, there's a lot of tension with how she's treated as an outcast because she doesn't have a mother. And, you know, she's uh, raised by this brave called Rost. And, you know, he teaches her the ways and all this stuff. And the first game, you know, the first, there's like a, a great, uh, you know, kind of like one of those uh, montages showing her growing up and getting more skill. And the game is her finding out what happened to humanity and what, where, where these creatures came from. And there's a lot of other stuff. I'm just doing the bare bones. Forbidden West takes place six months after the end of Zero Dawn. And Aloy's trying to track down one of the characters she met in the first game, who he, this person has similar motivations, or I, I should say that, has similar desires as Aloy, but vastly different in secretive motivations. Okay. So the TLDR of Horizon Forbidden West, and also for those, you know, what this game does, it does a good job of kind of catching us up to speed in the first five minutes of nice. what happened in the first game. Oh, cool. So that's that's a real that's a really good that's so, a plus. So you're saying I didn't need to buy the first game. I could have just bought Oh you absolutely did. <laughs> you absolutely do. Does it's, the gameplay build I mean, on like what you did in the first game? Like um, Yes. Like and infamous. So yeah, so one of the things I have is I have a statement improvements of the first game. You know, obviously the visuals are better. The audio is just as good. I, I wouldn't say it's better, it, but the audio in the first game was fantastic. From the soundtrack, the uh, the voicing, the voice acting on some, you know, some of the voice acting is okay, but like Aloy, Ashley Birch, Lance Reddick, who plays a character named Silence, dude, I love his voice. His voice is just Lance Reddick. Yeah. He needs, yeah, he actually he needs to get into narrating narrating books because <laughs> his voice is fantastic. So but, most people uh, want Morgan Freeman to narrate their life. You want Lance Reddick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you were talking about what it builds on. One of the problems, and this is what happens in a lot of open world games, is that you have a, only a certain amount of items that you can carry. And then you're like, hey, you can't carry anymore. The same, the same thing was, it was the same with Horizon Zero Dawn. What this does is you have, now have what uh, you call a stash. So if you have, say... You, you can only carry 12 medicinal plants or 12 potions or something like that. Mm -hmm. Any other ones get automatically sent to your stash, which you can collect anytime you go into a town or some type of other settlement. And, and you know, you automatically have a, so the stash is carryover. It's very similar to the Witcher when you would have to, in the sense of you would have to stop, put your stuff in a chest and you could access these chests through different cities and towns. You have more weapons. You can actually swim underwater now. I haven't got to that part yet because I'm 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 roughly twelve hours into the game, plus or minus. Uh, you have a like I said, you have different types of traps, and you have more combination combos with the melee combat. But again, as good as the melee combat is, this game is more about using your tools, whether it be your bow and arrows, and you have a plethora of different types of arrow sets. And some of the other stuff, some of the traps, some of the trip wires, and, and all this stuff. The skill tree is a lot more robust uh, than it was in the first game. I haven't even really 
seen all of it. Uh, I've only looked at the top, you know, the top shelf one point uh, skill sets that you can get in the six class or in the six different skill trees. And then again, of course, there are the creatures there. Are, so far, I've run into probably like five new creatures, but there's probably if, if it's anything like the other game, right, I have a minimum, at least 10 more that we're going to find. And then they have variants. And this is one thing we didn't really have in the first game. Mm-hmm. There are variants of each creature. So, oh. <clears throat> so there's one called a leap lasher, for example, <clears throat> excuse me. And there might be three variants of that uh, with different strengths and weaknesses. Uh, this game is, it, this is one of those must buy games. It's, I know today is the 25th. It came out last week, the 18th, and uh, Elden Ring, which you know that's going to be on a lot of people's lists as well as far as potential game of the year. Uh, one thing, Elden Ring, and you know I haven't played Elden Ring. I've seen it. It's very similar to Demon Souls and the Dark Souls games. I'm going to get it. Uh, yeah. There were some issues, evidently, with it. They had. This is the thing about games nowadays. So Horizon had the same issue. They had a Horizon had a patch like two days after it came out. Elden Ring had a launch day patch that, from what I've read, it's made the game actually worse for a lot of people. Okay. I'm still going to get it. Don't matter. But this is a narrative-driven game. This is one of those games where, again, don't get me wrong, the gameplay is phenomenal, but the story itself and how the story unfolds, it's as good as any game. And and this this goes for the first Horizon as well. It's as good as any game you're going to find it's just so well written there's so much stuff to find to tell the story as far as you you can find like audio clips of you know people from the past right text and scrolls and booklets and and all this stuff helps tell the story and i haven't found again 12 hours in i have not found as much yet as obviously i did when i played the first game for like 90 hours or i don't know how i don't even know how long i've played that including the frozen wilds which was the only dlc that came out for this not sure if this game's going to have dlc or i don't I, I just just not sure but this game is with just the visuals the audio the gameplay and then the again the narrative this has a, a such a robust you know, just a just a, a robust list of stuff for gamers, and right. And again, I, it's too early to tell. I would have given the first game probably a nine point five, just because not only was the game great, the character of Aloy, Ashley Birch does such a great job bringing Aloy to life, and this she's Aloy is one of my favorite video game characters of any video game I've played, and. You know, this is only kind of solidifying that, you know, 12 hours in is, and just, you know, getting caught up with this character that I haven't, because I haven't replayed Horizon. So getting caught up with this character and where she is in her life now, six months later, after going through everything she went through in the first game, it's, it's just spectacular. Um, I will be, once I finish it, I'll be coming back and kind of, you know, I, I'll wait till then to give my full idea of what I would give this game from a review standpoint. Okay. But it is definitely, if you own a PS4, lucky enough to own a PS5, it is a must play. And also a little tip. Now, depending on when people get this and listen to this, uh, one of the things is the PS4 version, PS5 version is $10 more, just 
that's how it how it is. However, uh, you can actually if you get the PS4 version, you can actually upgrade for free to the PS5 version. So that's what I did. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so yeah, wait, but yeah, this is a so must you only pay you pay ten dollars more to upgrade, or does it matter? No, you so, no, you don't pay anything to upgrade. Oh, it's, you just buy the uh, PS4 the, version and you get the PS5 version free. Yes. Oh, interesting. Now it's you have to you have to go through a couple hoops as far as on the you know on the UI uh, UI, but I mean it's, it was very easy. I actually got the disc version. It's one of those games I wanted the disc version for, but it was like I didn't even download the PS4 version. Once I put it in, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, where's the PS5? There it is. You still have to you still have to have the di- PS4 disc in for it to kind of like unlock it. But okay. other than that, it's it's one of those games that I I could. I don't know how many times when I've turned it on this last week where I was like, man, I love this game. It's That's just cool. so much fun. It's so beautiful. I've actually used the photo mode. There are pictures, this, this, as you can take, uh, that pictures of the vistas that are just amazing. Cool. And again, great gameplay, great story. It's just, just, it just hits on all fronts as far as a gaming experience. Yeah. Nice, man. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to finishing up playing, uh, you know, playing Zero Dawn and and more of it. And it's really, really cool. But this wasn't without like it did. This game isn't without controversy already, though. That's like that's the thing that I found funny, because all I ever heard is you gush about these games. And like, you know, I've never heard anyone say anything bad about Zero Dawn. Yeah. Um, But like there was a lot of. uh complaints about Aloy's uh, uh, character model um, that they made her more masculine and, and more you know um, whatever and something about a beard I don't know I mean like I I, I, I kind of tone out of this shit now to yeah. be honest when it comes to this it's like you know what if the game is fun just play the fucking game and there was an uh, there was one thing I saw and I completely just ignored it where it was a mention of uh, appropriation or something like that, and this is an example of people being idiots. Again, like you said, yeah, there is context for everything. If you played a game, you would un- first of all, the idea of appropriation for me, I, I like when somebody says that I tune you out. It doesn't matter what you're talking about, right? But especially when it's something that if you look at the, if you want to say there is appropriation and you actually have, you have to have context. If you played the first game, you would understand there is no, uh, there's no way there could be appropriation. That's all I'll say. Okay. But cause there's a lot, you know, there's a lot that built, like when you find out some of the stuff that happens in you know the game and what happened in the past, it's, it's a damn good story. I, that's all I can say. But yeah, there, there, I mean, there's a little change in Aloy, but there's nothing. The only noticeable thing is her hair moves more. It actually moves more organically in this game than in the original. And again, it should because, hey, five years later. Yeah, and you're PS5, using the so. PS5 engine now. and Yeah, yeah so. right. Anyway. So that that's the one thing I noticed that is a lot different from the original game because just how it flows when she's movement, moving, when you know when the wind's blowing, whatever. But yeah. That's the one thing I didn't notice. All right. I mean, this is definitely one, like like I said, I, you you convinced me to get Zero Dawn, and I saw commercials for this at the gym, and I was like, oh, my God, this game looks awesome. And I was like, 
what is this game? And you're like, there's a first one. I'm like, there is a first one. I knew about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, did you get the version with the Frozen Wilds DLC? I bought whatever the like the it had everything like that was currently out. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was like it was on sale too. It was like thirty bucks or something. So, yeah, nothing was as good as the deal I got for Witcher Three, uh, where it was like everything, all the DLCs for like fifteen bucks. The when the the first uh, season no, you came there's out. there there's no way you can get a better deal than that. No. Which, by the way, they are gonna they're doing a remaster of this of uh, the Witcher Three. Oh. Supposed to come on PS5 uh, sometime this year. Interesting. It was supposedly supposed to come Q1, but it might not come until Q2. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking of games that I liked on on the PS4 that I really actually I was thinking of games, thinking of games I really liked on PS2 that I wish they would remaster for the PS5. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Number one. Well, I mean, was this on PS3 or PS2? Was uh, Infamous on three or two? Three. So yeah, the infamous games. Okay. Both, both the first, the first two infamous games definitely need to to be remastered for the PS5. Um, on PlayStation Two, Star Wars Battlefront and Star Wars Battlefront Two need to be remastered because Star Wars Battlefront Two on the PS2 is my favorite game of all time. Um, I love it so much. Uh, that Matrix game for the PS2 would be great to be remastered and played with the uh, the beefier uh, CPU. Yeah, you know what I mean, but uh, yeah, but yeah. So I don't know. I'm excited. Like I, I haven't had a a ton of time to play the PS5, um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'm actually building an entertainment center this weekend, uh, so I'll have a nice like place to put it, and it'll be there and lots of airflow. So <laughs> that's great. Yep. Anyway, um, but yeah, no. So Horizon uh, Forbidden West, definitely go check it out. So let's move on to Soups and Lolo. It's a thing. It's happening. It's not like Fetch. It's a thing. I promise. <laughs> soups and Lolo. Um, the more you guys tell everybody about it, the the more Soups and Lolo will be a thing. Uh, all right. So this is season two, episode five. Uh, girl, you'll be a woman soon. Um Lois wonders if the cult is connected to the figure. She learns that Faulkner is a member and visits her uh, is a member and visits her only to find out the figure. I love how they're calling it the figure, by the way. Uh, killed her and is tracking Allie. Uh, Chrissy visits Allie, who forces a mysterious pendant onto her, allowing her to visit a bizarro in quotes version of herself in an alternate world. Uh, Superman defends Allie from the figure who identifies as the other self. Superman defeats Okay, so there's 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 some great stuff here. And then we have the quinceañera with the uh the Cushing um slash Cortez. Yeah, Cortez. I was I, it doesn't even say it in here. Um but yeah, with the 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 soon to be Cortez family. Um and yeah, it's uh this was a good ep- this was a good episode back after a couple weeks off, right? Um yeah. this is kind of what we've come to expect, unfortunately, from Superman and Lois, that there's gonna be these gaps in what we're watching. And to be honest, with the abysmal ratings that the Olympics got, I think anybody would have watched this over that horseshit event. Yeah, I didn't watch one second of that. Nope. Well, 
technically I did considering when I turned on my new YouTube TV, it would automatically be on there until I found what I wanted, which was usually like one click. So I probably watched like five seconds. It was usually not the Olympics that you were looking for. Um, (laughs) But no, uh, this was a good episode. We got, we got, we learned some more about Bizarro. We learned about the whole like other versions and and things. And uh, like, did, did Chrissy die? Or was she just um, unconscious? Well, because that was that was kind hint, of like amb- ambiguous. Well, yeah, because the henchman, I believe he said, I, I haven't had nothing. It's been seven minutes since I've gotten anything from her. And I think he was holding her wrist trying to find her pulse. Yeah. That's why I asked. So, so. yeah. But anyway, uh, Lois finds her uh, dealing with Allie and, um, you know, Chris. Chrissy, it's it seems like for now Chrissy is back to uh, the side of the angels, if you will, um, and and wanting to bring Allie down and isn't quite being so just whiny. I want to say bitchy. Yeah, but she's not really being bitchy; just being whiny towards Lois. Like, wow, you were you were in this, and I thought you were in this, and wow. So she's <laughs> acting very much like Daria. Just Daria. Remember the cartoon Daria? Oh, I never watched. I, I know. Oh. Okay, I thought that's what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, so but, she's okay. acting a lot like Daria, where just everything is like, "Woe is her," and like the world is so bad. Um, Daria is a great cartoon. <laughs> I loved it. Anyway, um, so you know, there's that. There's the great scene where Bizarro comes like crashing through the office, and 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 Clark pushes pushes Allie out of the way, and 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 you know that fight was great. Um, taking him, taking him to Tal Rose Fortress was like a, a, a mini stroke of genius there. Yeah, um, I, I thought that was pretty cool. And then uh, Laura, it- uh, see, here's the thing though: is I wish this was my one issue. This has been my one issue with the whole the way they've handled Bizarro, is that when Laura like fixed him, right? He talked normal. Instead of me, I'm bizarro. Mm-hmm. Me, um, you know, me, I'm hate everyone. <laughs> you know, because it's he's the opposite, yeah. right? Because he tells him, uh, Allie will destroy everything you love unless you kill her. And it's like, um, it should say she'll destroy everything you hate, like, because it needs to yeah. be that riddle, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I. <sighs> But that's, you know, that's I, a I get, nitpick. It's a hundred pit it's a nitpick. It doesn't it doesn't take away yeah. any of the enjoyment from this episode for me. Yeah. No, I get I know I get where you're coming from too. because uh, I liked how they had him speaking backwards. Yeah. In this you know, in the little moments where he was speaking. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that part and how they did that. And I'll I do I love Clark's face when he realizes like you're the opposite of me. Right. Uh, yeah, that fire breath, you know, cold breath battle was pretty cool. Yep. Yes. And sir. one thing I do, I do like, I, I, sh- again, I should trust the writers because season one did not disappoint how they had us fooled about the whole Lex thing, uh, the Captain Luthor thing. I'm really really intrigued to see how this plays out with Allie and what is this other world? Because it's, it's not a, like an earth two thing because I think again, for you know obvious reasons, but also not just for obvious reasons because of what happened to the parallel earth, but the way you get there, 
Right. It's, I, I'm very curious to see what we get with this. And I'm almost positive. I mean, I'm almost sure we're, we're one of the characters is going to be transported to there and we'll see what's going on. And I hope it's as bizarre as bizarro is. You know what I mean? It's not just, I hope it's Jordan. Mm -hmm. I just do. I don't know why. I just hope it's Jordan gets like sent to, to wherever. Um, but yeah, no, it, you're right. Like it's, here's the, here's the fun thing. And this is what I've been thinking about as I, I, as I've put together these, the shows the last few weeks, right. Since it's been back is, is, for the majority of the last, let's see, 12, 13, 14. So the last nine episodes of this show have been written by teams, right? It's a written okay. by first name, last name, or for writer one, writer two. And since week two, it's, uh, so week three, uh, episode three was written by two women. The rest of them have been a man and a woman. Right. Interesting. As the writing team. Yeah. Which is really cool because like like I think like a guy writing the Quinceanera stuff might have been a little like harder. Um and 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 I think not having just a woman write keeps it like you and like, you know, I it's a great balance, right? And I think it's what's keeping this show from going full CW. That's a very good point because a couple of my favorite scenes were the 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 Cushing slash Cortez family stuff. I, I mean the, where... the yeah the 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 Cortushings have been <laughs> uh a highlight this season. One hundred percent. And and they will continue to be a highlight this season until Sarah's uh crush from camp shows up and throws a monkey wrench yeah. at everything. Yeah. And so... and if they can have the restraint not to do that, oh my God, that would be great. So you talk about restraint. They actually had amazing restraint in this episode. When Lana finds out what happened, what Kyle did, his mm-hmm. infidelity, and she's like, the girl from the bar? Mm-hmm. Normal CW shows, normal drama shows, that would have been a massive fight. But what does she do? She's like, no, this is not your moment. This is right. not my moment. This is our daughter's moment. She's like, she was like, we'll discuss this later. Yeah. And that is just not only is that great from a standpoint of you didn't go the trope way, but it also highlights even more the strength that Lana has where she says, okay, you know what? I'm compartmentalizing this and I'm focusing on my daughter. And then the speech she gives, despite everything going on in in her head to uh, Sarah was another just excellent writing right there. A hundred percent. One, one hundred percent. It was like, the the whole the whole thing with the uh, with Quinceanera was fun, um, you know it was, it was just good all the way around. It was it was that was it was you know Sarah the drama Sarah was going through and you know um, her dance with Kyle and, and everything. It was it was really it was just really good. It was it was really really good. I liked it. Um, and then you had the boys. Who I think had some great scenes again this week. Um, Jordan, Jordan, and Sam were uh, Sam Lane, retired general U.S. Army, were uh, sneaking off to train 
Jordan and Jonathan's like, well, let me go. And Sam's like, that's great. We need a baseline. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. Like I and had, <laughs> hold, hold on. I had the most traumatic flashback to childhood um, with my grandpa, um, my, my granddad from, uh, from Ireland, who like, for whatever reason, thought my little brother like was this amazing athlete. And, you know, he, okay. he would be like, yeah, let's go do this. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, you can come too. And I was better at everything my brother did. Like, you know, <laughs> the only thing I wasn't better at was being six foot four. <laughs> so, um, but like, I'll never forget when I got good at tennis. Like, like, I was never like great at tennis, but I was good. I can hold my own in a tennis match with, you know, like above average players. Like, I would just start like just hitting the ball right back at my grandpa's head, just like. Because, you know, as an asshole, I am an asshole. Um, anyway, but I like, like that. Yeah, I, I like that clarification. Yeah, so, but it just like, like it was great. And then, and then Jonathan had enough and went and took some of the uh, crypt, uh, crypto, crypto, crypto mist and uh, yeah. coming to a pharmacy near you and, and, and then goes off on Jordan. And then he's like, oh, I'm developing my powers. <laughs> Yeah. So this is like, the thing. Don't tell mom and dad I'm developing yeah. my powers. Like, so this is uh, So this is the, oh, also when uh Sam tells him he's like go go get some water so I can yeah. you know give your your uh brother a few pointers. <laughs> like okay, that's a dismissal if if anything. Yeah. But beat it scrub. The question of, <laughs> Yeah, but the question and this is the question because no one has done this. Mm. The ex kryptonite what he's taking is that going to is or is that or he's going to is he going to have permanent powers and i'm not necessarily talking about the you know the sight or the vision or something else because this is a kryptonian biology or he or half kryptonian he biology has, right. he has so tag has full powers right because of the experiments that morgan or talro was doing and right. um so with the combination of the Kryptonite X and the Kryptonian like consciousness that Tag had, like, but I think he only had a partial. You know, he wasn't <laughs> fully imprinted. Um, which is why I think Tag still has powers. Plus he was experimented on, right? Um, kind of like right. Extremis in Iron Man Three, like Tag's able to regulate and you know, self regulate and not explode. <laughs> because that's what happened in the first season. Those dudes yeah, were they exploding were. Yeah. just like Extremis. And Tag was like uh was like um, James Dadge Bale, James Badge Dale, Badge Dale, who uh, you know Chase from uh, season three of Twenty Four, which is the best season of Twenty Four. Um, actually, I don't even know. I'm whispering it. That was the best fucking season of Twenty Four, hands down. Chase gets his hand cut I off. Stopped it. I stopped oh, after season two. I think, dude. So season. <laughs> All right, spoilers for a show that's like twenty years old. They 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 actually let a nuke off in L.A. Seriously? In season three. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Okay. Anyway, um, but it's not like armed when they let it off. But still, they let the like like you're like, holy shit, it's only on hour seven. Um, anyway. Uh <laughs> but yeah, so so like that scene with the the whole thing between the boys was great. And then the the way Jordan reacted, like <clears throat> again, sorry, I did not mean to clear my throat. But um, the the way Jordan reacted and the uh, what's his what's the kid's name? Where'd it go? Uh, Alex, um, 
Alex Garfin, who plays Jordan, I thought was perfect because he's got he's got that crazy hair, right? And he does the <laughs> best like wide like bug eyes, and um, it was really really great about how he was like, oh whoa, hey, it was it was almost like, hey, I'm getting no respect here, no respect, uh, Ronnie Dangerfield. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I thought I thought that was that was really 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 awesome. Yeah, and so I'm really. That's one of that's one of the outstanding questions I have. As you know, like I said, as a partial crypto half Kryptonian, you know, what is the, you know, the after effects of that? Is it going to stay? Is it going to cause him issues? Or, I'm not sure. Uh, but that is. That that's one of the questions I have is what's going to happen with that. And what's gonna? Because again, you know, Jonathan has for from season one from the start, he has sacrificed a ton of stuff, you know, for the family. And he's for the most part, he hasn't been a a jerk about it. Right. So, and again, remember, he's fifteen years old. Fifteen year olds are jerks, generally speaking. Oh yeah, I mean, Uh, at at some point in time, they're going to be jerks. So this isn't one of those where. It's, I'm I'm upset that they took him like where he's acting like this because again, being in a situation where you had to move, you were the star court, you were going to be the starting quarterback as a freshman mm-hmm. in Metropolis. You have to move. You lose your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Then you know you're sitting on. Then you break your hand, stopping your brother from probably caving somebody's face in. And now your brother's getting you know preferential treatment, but at the same time, you know it's understandable because. You don't want him, you'd rather him be able to control his powers, but kind of being cast off to the side, there's there's a, you know, it doesn't matter how good a kid is, all that stuff, when you add it up, that's going to cause a little bit, even though, even if it's a little bit, some animosity. Right. Uh, and that's what we're seeing. It's not over the top. It's one of those things where, as you know, as a teenage boy, you know, he doesn't, you know, so young, he doesn't know how to handle it necessarily, which that's why I liked Sarah, her conversation with Jordan when she was like, you know, I thought I was just having a bad day and it turned out to be more. Yeah. You know, just ask him. Well, and to your point too, remember last season when like Jordan was getting his hearing, the super hearing <laughs> and uh, Jonathan was being a dick. And as he walked out of the room, he like slammed the door. Yeah, you know, like it, it, he he's 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 so used to being in control of everything, mm-hmm. in that he has those little moments where he he's not in control, and uh, I, I, you know, you guys might remember that like the first season, I was I was hoping that Jordan was gonna just break bad like immediately, like and just be a bad guy for the series, like <laughs> this he was gonna be Brightburn, um, <laughs> but like it's like okay, well maybe maybe John is gonna be you know. A problem the Jason for a while. Solo. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think I think this is good. So all right, let's um let's do this. I got one more thing, but like uh out of five twin brother superpowers, what do you what do you give this? <laughs> Another strong just performance. Uh it's it's right at that four mark. Uh it's just it's just solid and strong. I I was debating between that four and four point two five, but mm-hmm. yeah, I took that quarter point out. Not not for any reason, just but just a nice little round number, four out of five. I watched it twice, and unfortunately, just for those who watch it 
on network TV versus CW, there wasn't any additional footage or additional scenes like we got from, I think it was last week's yeah, episode last that were, or a couple weeks last time where it was a pretty significant scene, at least for me to that they cut out of the network version which mm-hmm. i don't know why but whatever yeah no so that's four no out of five four out of five nice uh i i'm four out of five as well um i liked it it was it was a great episode back um we got the boys we got sam we moved the bizarro story along um so i was happy all right so before we move on to uh to shut in um the next two episodes have notable directors so uh, episode six, uh, Tried and True, is directed by uh, the Pink Power Ranger herself, Amy Jo Johnson. <laughs> and that episode is uh, next Tuesday, March 1st. And then episode seven of season two, Antihero, is uh, Elizabeth Henstridge. Oh, really? One half of Fitzsimmons. Yes. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, Gemma Simmons herself will be uh, directing did, episode seven of uh, of Soups and Lolo. So, I did just, you see the promo for last week? Uh, no, I, ne- I mean not I, last week, but next week. No, I didn't. I, I didn't. I don't. I, t- I try not to watch the previews um, until okay. it hits Instagram on like Tuesday morning. <laughs> okay. So, and, and then cool. I really yeah, usually can't help it because someone who's on the other end of this conversation shares it in his stories first. Do you know who that is? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but so. yeah, they they're they're really uh, they are really uh, leaning into that backwards stuff in the tr- in the promo. Cool, so cool, cool, cool. Backwards writing and everything. So Ooh, that's it. Very nice. Uh, but yeah, no, I just thought I find that exciting. Um, I know Elizabeth has directed a few, like directed some Agents of Shield episodes, and I know Amy has been very active behind the camera lately, and uh, you know, childhood crush. Kimberly Hart, you know, what can I say? Um, <laughs> I'm just always excited when to see Amy Jo Johnson show up, uh, whether it's in front of or behind the camera. And yeah, so I thought that was a, that was just a nice little tidbit of stuff. All right, let's get to the main event. Uh, to quote Mark Henry on, on Rampage, it's time for the main event. Or you could have just done a, a Bruce Buffer, or no, no, because when yeah. uh, on Rampage, they he does the little interview at the end, and then he's yeah. like, "All right, enough talking. It's time for the main event," <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Uh, the main event every week just needs to be the send hook. I love that send hook, dude. I got the send hook shirt. I got my Danhausen shirt, and I got my mid shirt last week, and I was so happy. <laughs> I wore. All right, the quick aside. I wore the mid shirt out on Friday night just because I don't give any Fs. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, my buddy's like, what is that? I'm like, it's a wrestling shirt. He's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I thought you were going to be like somebody was, was going to saw you and said, mid. Mid. So, um, but yeah. Oh, are you going to, never mind, we'll talk about it later. You're going to have to come up next Saturday for the pay per view. Oh, yeah. So, we'll talk about that. Or I'll come down to you, whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, Shut In. The uh, Directed by DJ Caruso, written by Melanie Toast. Uh, produced by Dallas Sonier and Amanda Presmik. Um, distributed by The Daily Wire. Starring Rainy Qualley, Jake Horowitz, 
uh, Luciana Vandetti, uh, Vincent Gallo, and Aiden Stremmer. Um, Very small cast. I, this is this is my ideal kind of movie. Um, it's well written. It's well acted. It's a small, self-contained. Did you ever watch Buried with Ryan Reynolds? I think so. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's I, yeah. Ninety I did. minutes of Ryan Reynolds <laughs> in a coffin, four feet under the earth, with nothing but a cell phone and a lighter. Um, it is one of the most intense movies you ever watch. One hundred percent, hands down. Um, so it, it's it's like this. This is in very much that vein of thriller. Um, so the summary for this one is: when a young mother is barricaded inside a pantry by her violent ex-boyfriend, she must use ingenuity to protect her two small children from es- from the escalating danger while finding an escape. Um, what they neglect in the summary of this is she must protect her two small children from a child molester. Yeah, like, like Vin. I mean, Vincent Gallo. I, I'm like, did you did you watch Buffalo '66 or The Brown Bunny? I did not. Okay, uh, Buffalo '66 was he. So he starred and directed both of them. Buffalo '66 was him and Christina Ricci. Um, he was born in 1966 when the Buffalo Bills, like the day the Buffalo Bills lost the Super Bowl, and his mom hated him for the rest of his life. She blamed him for the Bills oh. losing the Super Bowl. It's it's an amazing little slice of life movie. Um, the Brown Bunny is much more perverse. Um, it's most notable because he gets a um, uh, how do I say this a servicing um, a servicing from from Chloe Sevigny um, in the backseat of a car. So I, that's legitimately the only notable thing about that movie. It's it's it was really bad, um, but. Vincent Gallo is still a very talented filmmaker, very talented actor. So I was really excited to see him showing up in this, um, especially in that role of of creep. Um, but the, the the surprising thing for me was uh, Rainy Qualley is the, I'm assuming that's how you say the last name, is uh, the star. She stars as Jessica Nash, who's a, a single mom, um, recovering drug addict, trying to get her life together. Um, kind of has hit rock bottom and has not turned to drugs and is taking care of a a, a baby that cries a lot and uh, yeah. is very needy even for even as far as babies go and then uh, a little girl obsessed with apples <laughs> <laughs> no um, matter the, the no matter the type of apple no right rotten or not yep um, but she is uh, Andy McDowell's daughter. Which I did not know until after, and I highly recommend looking up her Instagram. Just gonna leave that one alone. But she was fantastic in this movie. Well, this movie is not what it is. Is not as good as it is when you have a movie. Because again, when you have a small cast, it relies much more on that principal actor, whoever that may be, to carry the load because. Right. If you know when you have an ensemble cast, say for instance, if somebody's dragging, someone else can pick them up with their performance. Yeah, this was on her. This was all on her to be able to carry the film in a way of you know conveying that that concern, that helplessness, that that frustration of being trapped mm-hmm. and trying to get out to her kids, and knowing that this guy on the other side could do something very bad to the kid, kids. 
and her doing whatever she can to get out of her situation. Right. That I mean, that is and again, for her first lead role Mm -hmm. to be a movie like this is and her not only that, but for her to deliver like she did. Because she's absolutely superb in this movie in every way. Yeah, she she is absolutely like the the scene where she's trying to decide if she's gonna take the uh, take the drugs that um, mm-hmm. that Rob left behind for her, um, trying to get her to do drugs again was was great. Um, just yeah, just kind of all the way around. It was it was just really cool, and she did a a really awesome job. And it's it's nice to see that kind of performance from, you know, she's a young actress. I mean, she is, you know, she's she's only been like active on the scene and like for like since 2012. And she's been a more singer songwriter than she has been actor. Um, So a lot of her film credits are like herself, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. But and she's done like a couple short films and, and things like that. But yeah, it's uh she she performed for uh, her stage name for singing is Rainsford, which hmm. I, I I didn't even I didn't even I didn't even know Rainy Quali existed until I watched Shut In and I went and I looked her up to see as I was putting the show together and found out that she was Andy McDowell's daughter and Andy McDowell stars in my favorite guilty pleasure movie of all time so and what would that be hudson hawk i know i just want to hear you say it i love it it's great it's 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 a great bad movie anyway um but i you know it's funny like you you think about like all the little things that could change in a movie that would like just make everything that happened go away so one she keeps her cell phone in her back pocket. So when she gets thrown into the, the pantry by Rob, she has her stuff, right? She just sits back and she calls the police. Um, two, she knows the pantry door gets stuck. She's trying to sell the house to people. Like, fix it. Take it off. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, you know, or, 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 or three. Um, I don't know. Like, it was, I don't know. It's just really good. Um, there's a couple scenes, there's a scene, this scene, so this scene was in the trailer when she gets a nail through her hand. Um, it was very much like Emily Blunt in, um, A Quiet Place when she got the nail through her foot, except for she didn't have to be quiet. And, uh, that definitely looked like it hurt a lot, a lot, a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So, um. But at the end of the day, this was this was a really, really good, solid outing for the second film um, under the Daily Wire banner. And I don't, yeah. I, I, we're not talking about politics here, so I don't give a shit what no, you it, think. It, I, I don't give a shit about what you think about the Daily Wire. I don't. The Run Hide Fight is a legitimately good movie. Run Hide Fight was a very brave movie that they bought, that they put out, that probably nobody else was going to do, and it was it was just destined to not be seen. Um, this movie was, you know, DJ Caruso came to them and said, Hey, buy my movie, put it out. Let's get, let's get this thing going because this is a, uh, this is like now, now on the political side, this, this is a statement piece 
for for people who are are concerned about cancel culture for people who feel like they don't have a voice in in what they do in hollywood and this is this is this movie's the linchpin for for a change yeah and and we'll we're we're definitely going to yeah we're going to talk we're talking one. way more about that but but I you're just, you're absolutely yeah. right you're 100% right in the sense of and again that's the point of this like not just this movie but the direction they're going with their movies is that it is a political it hasn't because again if they did it the opposite way it's just you're the other side of the coin yep of hollywood and you know we want and again people like us people that love movies yes we know other things are going on in the world but you I know for those good, 2 hours i want good stories or i want for, good characters for Brian, yeah, it's a ninety for, for minute Brian, movie. Uh, by the way, ninety minutes. It's actually it's not even ninety. It's eighty nine. It's minutes. not even ninety minutes. So like yeah. perfect. Like the art of the ninety minute movie has been lost, and the first two outings from the Daily Wire are bringing it back. Yeah, and going. <laughs> and I know you love that part because again, every movie is twenty minutes too long minimum. Which, to be honest, I tend to agree. No, I agree that most movies are too long. Like the timing, depending, but yeah, I, I I mean, I don't think I've ever said, no, there's one movie, one or two movies where I'm like, they should have added 10 minutes for storytelling or something. But anyway, with this movie, the thing you mentioned, mm-hmm. just, just, you know, fix the freaking door and <laughs> nothing, none of this would happen. Right. But this is one of those things I, I, I was thinking about because again, that was my you know little nitpick when I was watching the movie. I didn't get a chance to watch it for a second time, but, you know, thinking about it is, and it kind of got solidified when we were talking earlier today. That was an example of how people, and again, especially when we find out what's in the cupboard, it's an example of how people, especially when they're getting kicked in the teeth by life, especially when they're run down by life, they don't see the wealth of what they have before them. And it's just, you know, because everything is overwhelming, they don't have time to just settle down, mm-hmm. take a breath, and explore. And that's what. And the only reason that Jess finds this out is because she has no choice. Right. And even though a lot of what she saw was in frustration, she finds basically her salvation for her life by being put in that situation and that in mm-hmm. the just that terrible situation, she finds salvation funny enough through a Bible and, and then, you know, through the uh, recipe that her grandmother left. Right. For that, you know, what was it? The apple, the apple cider, butter. the apple butter, apple butter. So, and yeah. you find, you find that her grandma was her biggest supporter. And like, cause you get, you get from the beginning of the movie when she's talking to her sister on the phone, she's like, if you want me to take a drug test, I'll take a drug test. Fine. I'll do it. I'll take a drug yeah. test. And and this and and you know I'm getting clean I'm clean I just can't find a job I just need a place to stay until I have a job and you know it's like nobody it, it, it's her family has given up on her and yeah. she never knew how much her grandma loved her and her yeah. grandma left her this house and and you know when Rob and Sammy come sniffing around for money because you know they want to buy more drugs and 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 whatever. And, you know, she has no idea there's money, there, there's, you know, there's money in the banana stand. Yeah. So, so, so it was, it was just so funny, like finally, you know, getting that, thinking that over and seeing, you know, without that, it's not that you don't have a story, 
because you could still like if you didn't have that in there and her having to be forced to find that you could still make a story of it her just trying to get out but that would just be there wouldn't be any soul to a movie like that it would just be a situation she has to get out of but that this goes even even with the kids that's still you know we've seen this but even with but just having her see that and having you know the ending that we have it was one of those where you know there there was blood along the way mm-hmm. <laughs> quite a bit of blood along the way uh but you know she had gone through hell trying to get clean and this and being given that choice of almost near hopelessness and like you said when you know her ex you know threw the drugs under there and said hey you know i'll be back for you in the morning you know sit with this for a while which right. Talk about a cruel bastard. Well, yeah, I mean, um, he leaves a, a little like four year old with a baby, you know, to, yeah. to fend for themselves. But seeing that, like this, the journey she takes, uh, not just to get to her kids, but you know how she turns her life around. You know what we see at the end is, is such a powerful tale of you know not necessarily getting in that situation, but in the situation where you feel like all is lost, you know, take a breath and look around. Right. And you know, who knows what you'll find. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, um, I I was telling you before, I, I really like how everything comes full circle because at the end, the, when, when, you know, spoilers, uh, she survives. Um, but at, (laughs) at, at the end, uh, you know, the, she's she's in the in the house and it's cleaned up it's not dilapidated and the the door is off the pantry like so like her life has finally opened up to her and and i really yes. just kind of liked the secular secular nature of like the the door being like the addiction that she's trying to fight and she's trying to fight and she's trying to be a good mom and and she keeps getting trapped in in, mm-hmm. in like in a in a prison of her own making really and then she finds, like you said, the the salvation. Um, the the other the other thing is um, when Sammy comes back on his own, right? Uh, the ingenuity she uses to protect her kids. Oh man! Um, yes, is uh, she woke up that day and she chose violence. I, like <laughs> I, I mean, like so. This is a phrase I've been thinking about a lot lately with like everything that's been going on in the world and, and, and things like that. Like there's a point where, where you are in everybody's life. I think in the next five years, you're going to wake up and you're going to have to decide to choose violence for something in your life. I really believe that. And mm-hmm. it's how are you going to protect the people around you? And she, uh, she was very violent and, 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 and very just, ruthless in a way that I don't think she would have been in any other situation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you're right. And I, I, I think to call her mousy is, is a disservice to the character, right? Cause she's not, but she's, she is a hundred percent repressing much of herself because she feels like she has to. Yeah, and I think part of that is she, you know, she's just gotten over addiction. Well, not just, but she's gotten over addiction, and probably still doesn't necessarily value herself or what she brings 
as much as she does going through this ordeal and finding her way back to herself. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. But, um, I, I think the other thing that, that we need to talk about this movie is the way this movie looks. Um, yes, it yeah. is. It is. Uh, Robert Rodriguez needs to listen to this. If anybody knows Robert Rodriguez who <laughs> listens to this, this is what a lived-in world should look like. Um, yeah, it is. It is. It is gritty without being gross. It is. It is uh, run down without being de- um, ruins. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And uh, it's uh, Akis. Oh God, uh, Constan. Okay, Akis Constantakerlopoulos. I'm gonna guess that's how that's said because that's a very Greek last name. Is the cinematographer? Um, the shots under the door are beautiful. When uh, when Lainey reaches under the door, uh, there at the end to hold her mom's hand, right? Uh, yeah. Like again, like the the hands, the hands. She, you know, uh, Jessica gets a nail through her hand when when Rob locks her in and he he nails a board over the door uh when she's digging um she gets in her other hand she gets a piece of metal in her hand which we see the scar at the end so she doesn't you know she doesn't ever forget and then when she puts the screwdriver through sammy's hand and then hammers it down with that brick um that was that was brutal and and beautiful and, and 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 just intense all at the same time um just the 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 way DJ Caruso and and Akis uh Constantopolis uh, <laughs> so uh <laughs> put this movie together I, I i think i think it was it was really you got to feel like a voyeur without being obtrusive to the scene yeah and i thought I thought it was going to be a special type of cinematography. The first shot where we get that, you know, the shot of the apple on the apple tree. Yeah. Like the first seconds of the movie. And there was something about that shot where I just said, Oh man, that's, that's beautiful. Yep. And we get, because again, this is a personal small movie that takes place basically. I mean, yes, it takes place in the house, but most of the focus is in that covered. So you have to be creative and you know, that cinematographer and, you know, along with the direct, they, they did a fabulous job, you know, conveying that almost claustrophobic type feel. Mm -hmm. And I like what you said about being lived in because we know that one of our biggest issues with some shows is that it's too produced. It's too, new when the world that we've been in for decades and and things is not like that right right so this is this was a great yeah this, i like i like how you said that yeah it was this is just you know it, it's everyone should watch this movie um i would say support the daily wire and watch it uh if you are upset with things like the ring of power which we will talk about that soon. 
I promise. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. Um, a lot to unpack. I wanted to talk about things we were excited about this week. I wanted to talk about things that we were positive about. Um, I like to come out of a week off being positive. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. All right. Let's do uh, out of ten nails through the hand. What, what do you What do you give this one? I give it a seven and seven point five. This was another very good addition to what could be a new movement in movie making. Yeah, we'll get to that one. I thought one sec. Yeah, I thought that again. Quayley, Rainy Quayley was was absolutely the star that she needed to be to make this movie such a good, entertaining movie. I'm not unlike you. I'm not. I don't usually gravitate towards movies, small movies made, like say in the sense of taking place in one location. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean that they're not good, but I don't temp- I don't tend to gravitate towards those. I mean, this, this is very is much one of like, the... like South of Heaven, right? South of Heaven's a very small mm-hmm. contained movie. I mean, yes, it, it goes from South Texas to, to Mexico, but it's still you're you're in the cab of of Ray and Annie of Jay and Annie's truck for most of the time. So, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I'm really excited to see what she has, what uh, Rainy Quayley does in the future. Mm-hmm. Because, again, for her first lead role, she knocked it out of the park. 100%. 100%. Uh, I went 8 out of 10 um, because... This is my kind of movie. This these are these are the type of movies that I seek out. These are the type of movies that I enjoy. These are the type of movies I tend to champion. So there's that. Um, I I I don't like horror in the traditional sense. Um, mm-hmm. For gore, I like thrillers like this. I like suspense. Um, Crusoe had a very Hitchcockian approach to this film. Um, you you see a lot of like the body like of the <laughs> of the person who's in the shot um a lot of times when when you're looking externally it's Jessica's point of view so you're at the level of the floor that we last saw her sort of a thing um so like technically speaking like that's that's another that's just another tool that a, a nuanced storyteller has yeah, absolutely. So, uh, all right. So, I want I want to get back to your point about this being the well, maybe the first part of the movement um, towards towards something different in Hollywood, um, and I I tend to agree. Uh, I I think looking at the first two films that they put out, and we're going to talk about the third film that comes out on March tenth. Uh, here in a second but the first two films that they put out ron hyde fight and this both strong ass female leads and in neither case do any of these strong ass female leads beat up a 250 pound guy with just their fists (coughs) no um i would say they everything that they earn in these movies everything they get they earn in a way that makes sense and in a way that didn't make me say, come on again. Yeah. And and even, I, I, their, even their trauma is earned. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's, uh, and, yeah. 
and what I was talking about, and, and you know, we we've, we've heard this before when we talk, you know, where there's talking about competition, you know, the idea of parallel economies because of just how different, just how some certain people, if you don't have the same ideology, doesn't matter if you're creative, doesn't matter, you don't get, you don't necessarily get that same chance. And what I, what's, what's important about what the Daily Wire is doing, it's not political in the sense of the movies. Mm-mm. It's, it, it, it's, and this, this shouldn't be political either, that you should be able to disagree with someone and still be able to work with them. Yeah. But that's not the case. So what this is doing, this is offering a road to directors, movie makers, actors who want to be able to tell s- stories and not necessarily be constrained by Hollywood's way of thinking. And, I don't mean just mean the left leaning. I mean, no. I also mean yeah. the idea that Hollywood just cuts and pastes a lot of stuff. They don't like to take chances. This movie is and, a huge and, I mean, risk, right? Right. Run, hide, fight. And that run, is, hide, fight was the biggest was risk a, that they could do because it's a school. It's a, it's a, it's an active shooter event in a school. Yeah. Um, you know, they, 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 they you know, they're 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 being brave and doing something, and and it's it's yeah. up to up to people like us and, and shows like ours to be brave and talk about this in an honest fashion. And I love the fact yeah. that I uh, oh, where, where, uh, shut in on IMDb had, I mean, or IMDb on on Rotten Tomatoes had a um, the aggregate score was really interesting because it was uh it was really high uh, for mm-hmm. both the. Uh, the critics and the viewers. Um, Good. So you couldn't really be like, oh, hey, uh, like this is being review bombed, good or bad. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was just good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the tomato meter, it's at 63% for the tomato score on eight, but only eight reviews, right? But the audience okay. review with a, with over a thousand reviews is 97 Um Okay. And yeah, this is I mean, this is a, a strong, powerful movie and uh it's it's right I mean, right now it's fresh. Um even though it's saying on here the critics consensus is uh an ambitious oh wait, no, oh, oh ah damn it. It took me to the Eternals. Um But yeah, it's you know, uh E film critic up rocks and the new Republic are the three that give it rotten reviews. So, uh, efilmcritic.com is not going to give this a fair review. Uh, shut in okay. is basically a dumber version of panic panic room. So this person obviously didn't understand what they were watching. Um, and this isn't like a Johnny redefining movie. It's just a good, solid no, it's movie. not. Yeah. So, but and again, going back to the idea of this, you know, what the Daily Wire is doing with, you know, making possibly possibly making a haven for filmmakers in Nashville area to come, be able to come and say, hey. Well, I mean, it's not even in that. I mean, if they want to turn Nashville into that, that yeah. is great. Let's all move to Nashville and help get that going. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing. Uh, we've said this before. Comp- in, in life, competition is everything. Why is competition everything? Competition makes you, forces you to get better, whether it be jujitsu, track, judo, baseball, football, basketball, business, 
poker. And so a lot of times, you just, know, yeah, whatever it everything. is you put your life in. Yeah. And, and again, a lot of times co- companies, you know, they want to crush the rival. So, you know, they don't have necessarily have that, you know, competition. So they're the only game in town. You know, that's, I think it's very narrow way of thinking because lack of competition kills creativity. Sure. It's like just an, an example I've always give, cause this is, you know, we're both, you know, wrestling fans mm-hmm. is when WWE went, started going downhill when they bought WCW. WCW forced the WWE to get out of their comfort zone and start telling stories that were interesting to the audience, captivating instead of going their paint by numbers. And again, what are they doing now? They're doing their paint by numbers because they 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 might have to change that up with the way AEW has been going the last. And again, AEW is young, but yeah. overall competition. The only way you're going to get better is competing. So I like the idea of having an alternative to Hollywood. That doesn't mean there aren't creatives in Hollywood that I don't, that I like. There are still creatives in Hollywood that have talent that I like. However, more and more, it seems like Hollywood is just, again, that formulaic, don't want to take chances. Let's do a reimagining of X, Y, and Z instead of telling an interesting story. Right. And if this can help with that, I am, and and again, and, and as long as these, excursions into this like run hide fight i really enjoyed that mm-hmm. shut in i really enjoyed that i really hope i enjoy hyperions and terror on the prairie the same way because again i'm not going to just give you know money to something because it's different and because right. it's on it has to be good and let's you let's, have to let's jump back so the hyperions the hyperions is a superhero movie yeah and i it's a uh, one it, it looks like very john waters-esque right uh, which I like. Mm-hmm. I love John Waters. Like I love John. Like I'm I'm a sucker for a good John Waters for any John Waters movie. Let's, <laughs> let's like they're all good, um, in their own special B way. Um, so but this one in the 1960s, Professor Ruck- Ruckus Mandelbaum invented the Titan Badge, a device that enables humans to have a particular superpower. He took in three down on their luck youths, creating an unusual family of superheroes, and they quickly rose to fame and prestige. Over time, however, the commercial family fractured and the professor replaced them with a new set of superheroes. Uh, where'd it go? Um, replaced them with a new set of, uh, with a new uh, superhero team. Cut to 1979 with two original superheroes are all grown up and wanting their Titan badges back, even if it means uh, robbing the professor's museum and taking a few hostages accidentally um so it's it's very like it's very tongue-in-cheek it's very parody um but at the same time like you know it, it just it looks really good i'm i'm excited to see it carrie elways i'm i'm a big carrie always fan um you know i might not be a fan of him like as a person with what he does to uh like conventions canceling at the last second but i do like him as an actor so I'm 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 excited to see um, see him in this role as Professor Mandelbaum. <laughs> um, but you should definitely watch this preview. Uh, it, it's it's really really good. Uh, Tanner Buchanan, you know old yeah. uh, Robbie Robbie Kane. Robbie Kane is in it as uh, as Apollo. So um, it, you know Penelope Mitchell. Is is in it? Um, which she looks familiar. Oh, it's because she was in Hellboy. All right, 
Oh, and she was on the Vampire Diaries. <laughs> that's okay. That's the other thing. Oh, okay, um, okay. And then uh, Alfonso McCulley is the other one, and he's a. Uh... Oh, okay. He was in um this movie called Walk of Shame with uh with what's her name from. Oh my god, I, Elizabeth um, Banks, with Elizabeth Banks, uh, it's this hilarious movie where she's like a news producer and she has a night out and she has to walk like all the way back across L.A. after a drunken night out. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, and he was in Schooled. Okay, all right, all right, that's where I know him from. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of like excited to see this movie. It's it it looks like it's gonna be fun. It looks like it's gonna be kind of funny. It looks like it's gonna be super weird, which I like. Um, and then they follow that up later on, I think in like May, with Terror on the Prairie. And this is the thing about that diversity in their movies. I mean, I granted there's a very small sample size. But all of these movies are different from one another. They are going to bring something different. And again, to continue on, not the same formula of the cut and paste. And that's, and again, yeah, I, and these I really movies hope have these diverse two... casts. Yeah. It's not just all white people. You know, it's not just all black people. It's not just all Asian people. I mean, hell, Terror of the Prairie has Cowboy Cerrone in it. Do we even know if he can act? He's been in a couple other movies where he's had like yeah two but, lines. I mean, we maybe. know he can fight, but, yeah. You know, so <laughs> I mean, he's badass. We know he can shoot. Yeah, yeah we, I follow so, him on Instagram. He, we know he can shoot too. Yeah. So I mean, he's no no Tim Kennedy MMA, but you know. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is great. I, and you know that this is obviously Terror on the Prairie is Gina's first big, you know, movie, and that trailer is just like. You know, we've been fooled by trailers before, so I'm not like, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, all right, it's got Gina and Nick Cersei in it. I'm good. Like, I'm definitely, definitely going to see it because of that, but I'm still going into it with trepidation. Whenever I see a trailer that's good, I'm like, okay, how much of this is on? Yeah, we. How many times have we had the rug? Yeah, yeah. like how how, How many times have we had the trailer under us? Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I was just saying, how many times with good trailers have we had the rug pulled under us in our lives? Right. And how many times have we had a good trailer that all of it is on the cutting room floor and not in the actual movie? Yeah. That too. Yeah. So. so. But yeah, I, I think I think this is good. I'm I'm excited. I I this is a direction that we need to go. And uh yeah, that's that's what I have. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm looking forward and I, and I like what, what, you know, this week, as far as what we're looking forward to, you know, you had horizon, which I I love this game. Right. We have, you know, like one of our favorite shows, both of us for both of us, soups and Lolo is back. Mm -hmm. We have shut in another excellent movie from, you know, the daily wire and, you know, the potential direction that what they're doing. And because again, hopefully when other people see this, they might do the same thing. This might be not just from the Daily Wire perspective, but other people gaining confidence and saying, hey, if they can do this, we can too. We can offer an alternative to what you're seeing ad nauseum. And right. you know, we want to just tell good stories. So 
looking forward to you know all of that stuff is just positive news in, in a you know in a day and age especially the last couple of days where it's been less than positive news and i i just i know people a lot of people people that you know do this stuff like podcasts or make videos you know with entertainment stuff they always say hey well we know that there are more important things i would not discount i will never discount the importance of being able to escape even if it's only for a couple hours from the from the crap that's going on in on the world on a daily basis not just recently but on a daily basis if you look at statistics and what's going on you need that escape don't discount how important that is for your sanity and right. you need to step away from the news don't don't no matter who you are no matter what you listen to don't be the person who's watching the news 24 7 because that's only going to be a negative for you find something whether it be books movies game video games board games hanging out with friends right. find something where you can decompress and say hey let me get away from the real world. Let me get away from work. Let me get away from the crap that's I, going on. It's funny and, that you say that because I saw a quote earlier. It says, if it costs you your peace, it's too expensive. So if it costs oh, you your, your peace of mind, yeah, it's, it's just too mm-hmm. expensive. So, um, which I think, I think is, is, is spot on. So, yeah. Um, so Gina's got my son Hunter next to the, uh, the Hunter Biden story. Um, and then White Knuckle, which was supposed to be the first Daily Wire movie that she made, that they oh, that's the one that had to get pushed back. Yeah, it got pushed back because of mandates, mandates and stuff or like something. That with okay. the uh, yeah. the Eric Reed movie, so um, written and directed by Eric Reed, uh, which should be pretty pretty fun in the vein of uh, Joyride. <laughs> Candy cane. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note. We're back. Thanks for uh, sticking with us for a week off. We needed it. It. Uh, we were able to come back and talk about happy stuff. I'm so happy to talk about happy stuff. I didn't want to be angry today. No, no angry, Brian. No. I woke up today and did not choose violence. <laughs> and violence, violence doesn't have to be like fist. Violence are like I can be violent with words. I've, I've been oh, pretty absolutely. I've been I've been pretty violent to some of the shit we've talked about lately, like with words. <laughs> you know, I mean, to be honest, I was almost like last week, like let's just talk about Reacher again. I almost suggested that. <laughs> um, but no, it's better just take a week off and come back refreshed and ready to go. Um, we've got the Nerd Den Studio 2.0 coming up. Uh, I'm kind of hoping it's not going to be echoey in there. Are you, would you have to get some of that? Uh... The, I, the baffling the insulation I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'm gonna have to put baffling up or not. So uh, mm-hmm. we will see. I'm kind of hoping like art will will suffice, um, and and shel- shelves with action figures and, and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the then it's get it's definitely gonna be a work in progress for a couple of weeks. So yeah, but yeah, it's. Anyway. under construction <laughs> not even yet it's it's you know like i'm, I'm not even well like, it's still like i mean yeah i have the you layout. still have a week right i have the layout of of the room and everything and i'm not even sure how or where i'm gonna put the desk yeah that's so. that is the again because that's kind of like the cornerstone of the room so you have to have that and then everything else plays off of where you put that yeah so i mean i have a floor-to-ceiling window and i kind of want to look out you know mm-hmm so I don't know. 
Oh yeah, that's that would be good to do. Be able to do that. Yeah, because I think I'm gonna put a second. Anyway, we'll talk about this off air. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. <laughs> uh, we went a little over. Uh, thank you for for putting up with us. We will talk to you next week. Bye. See ya. The Infamous Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Infamous Podcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamous podcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.